Central Florida, and this is our formerly podcast, now Facebook Live show that we took remote during the coronavirus so that we could get a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say face-to-face, but virtual face-to-face contact here. So joining me today is Francis Portolatin from Seacoast Bank, who's going to talk to us about the payroll protection loan. We're going to talk about the EIDL, which we have bad news about, but the PPP will have some good news for you. And then we'll talk about some of the Orange County grants. Uh, Before I let her share her wisdom and knowledge here, as always, I want to go ahead and plug our YouTube page. If you're enjoying these and our other videos, please go on over to our YouTube page and subscribe. We're really trying to get to that 100 subscribers. We've got, uh, I think, about 60 right now. At 100, we get the branded URL as opposed to the gobbledygook that Mark's about to post for YouTube slash channels slash a bunch of digits. Um, and then tomorrow, so back here tomorrow, 1 o'clock, we're going to have Good News Florida, which will be Mark and I talking about some of the good stories that are coming around. And then at 2 o'clock, we'll have somebody on who's going to talk about how to get out of student debt and start investing. So all of my fellow uh, law school attorneys and probably every other lawyer, that would be a very potentially helpful one to watch about the debt stuff. But enough about me, enough about the show. Let's talk about our guest, the wonderful expert over here joining us. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for the invitation. appreciate it very much. Yeah, happy to do it. We always like connecting with, I think, um, so you're in the Apopka Area Chamber of Commerce with Blair, right? Yes, I am. Yes. Um, Serve on the board and been in the Apopka area now for about five years in the banking industry, um, total about now 20 years. Um, So a lot of experience, anything from the retail side all the way to lending. All right. Um, so let, I want to talk more about your background and about the bank, but before that, let's start with contact information. Uh, what's the best phone number, website, whatever other information you want to give out to our listeners slash watchers here. Sure. So Francis Portolatin, like he said, uh, Seacoast Bank in the Apopka branch. Our phone number is 407-889-7434. And you have to hit option four to reach the branch and it will go to our customer support center. Uh, which is located right here in Lake Mary as well. But to reach me is 407-889-7434. My email address is basically my name with a dot in the middle is Francis with an E dot Portalatin, P-O-R-T-A-L-A-T-I-N at seacoastbank.com. You can reach me um, on the phone number or email address. All right, perfect. And we've got uh, we've got your name. We've got that contact information up here posted as well. So everybody watching uh, will be able to look at it that way with the links and everything. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more about you and your background. And you've been in banking for quite a while. Yes. So I've been in banking for now about twenty years. Uh, started all the way from as a part time teller and worked myself through um, the banking industry from customer service all the way to management now. So that's wonderful. With that varied experience there, you've got to really understand so much of what goes into so many of the different jobs, which has got to be helpful from the management standpoint. It is because I've been down in the trenches, you know, on the teller side, on the customer service, on the lending um, view also as well from just, you know, booking the loans or taking the applications. So a lot of experience on that. Yeah. And tell me a little bit more about Seacoast Bank as a whole. Well, Seacoast Bank has been in business since 1926. It is a family-owned business uh, bank, and it is a public-traded company, though. Uh, but it's you know 
third generation bank and it has been all those years and it still is. There's a uh, main office is in Stewart, Florida and we do have a main office here in Winter Park. That's awesome. So almost 100 years, family owned. What yeah. more could you ask for? Correct. Yeah. Only here in the state of Florida, though. What do you mean? Like we only cover the state of Florida. Oh. We don't go out of state. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You know, Seacoast. Yeah. That's uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're right there. Yes. Very cool. All right. So today we're going to talk a little bit more about the loan opportunities available to businesses. Yeah. Um, before I get into that though, so with you being in the banking industry since, you know, 2000, how are you seeing this comparing to, you know, the 2008 recession, everything along those lines? I can tell you that it has been, uh, new. I've never been in this type of environment. And in 2008, I've been through the FDIC takeover, the banks selling, the small community banks going away and, through a lot of mergers that happen, but never in this environment where businesses are closing or employees are not being kept um, with this, you know, the PPP program and the EIDL, it was all brand new to the banking industry. So very different. And I'm just happy to say that we found a way on how to help the small businesses being able to survive. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing that I keep telling everybody is, you know, we, we doing mostly business law, you know, we kind of get to see that one step removed pulse for business owners. So I'm curious to see what happens, you know, that June 30th into July 15th, the payrolls over there, once the PPP coverage has been removed for so many companies, um, if, you know, if everything is still on coming back on the upswing at that point, then I think we'll, we'll know that we're through this. Correct. Yeah. Um, if businesses need to open to be able to generate the income and continue paying their employees, um, like this, to me, this is just a small bandaid to get them through the initial, but they either going to have to find a new way on how to do business, depending on the industries that there are or, you know, how to evolve with the environment that they're in right now. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I just, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how much, is the, how much is the economy truly rebounding from people, you know, being outside and going around again, and how much is being propped up by the PPP loans. But we'll get into that in a little bit more detail. Um, first, yeah. let's knock out the easier ones. So the EIDL, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, that one's already done. It's been dispersed or it's in the process of being dispersed. They're not taking new applications. So I don't think we need to talk much about that loan. Do you agree with that? Uh, yes. The last I heard on that one is being um, they're focusing on businesses that are on the agricultural right. side of the house. So, you know, if if you didn't apply for that grant when it was open in the very beginning, that has been already depleted. Yeah, which is crazy because, you know, I don't I don't. I'm not that familiar with the agricultural thing, but obviously we work with a lot of restaurants. Um, and so from their side, it was like, all right, well, we're closed. Nobody's coming into the restaurant. You know, we've taken that hit. And then you start hearing about all the meat plants closing down and the agricultural sites, you know, uh, closing. And so then you mm-hmm. see that, you know, the cost of a lot of these goods has doubled and tripled during this time frame, which, you know, they're expecting it to go back to normal. But I'm just, I'm interested to see that that's been the push now to try to make sure you get the agricultural plants back up and running so that we can get the supply chain back and a little bit more, you know, consistency and normalcy from there. 
Correct. Yeah. Especially the farmers, you know, their crops, um, they're not being purchased or they're going bad and so forth. So that's where the EIDL may help some on, on that side, but it is a struggle all across the board. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then I want to talk about um, the Orange County has had some grants available. So I guess basically the way that this CARES Act package worked, you know, there were things that were earmarked for businesses. There were things that were earmarked for individuals. There were things that were earmarked for, you know, state and local governments. So Orange County ended up with, I don't remember, I don't know if you know the exact number. I don't, but I think it's in the one point something million dollars. Yeah, it, that... was, it was way, mm-hmm. yeah, it it's was high. Yeah. So there, so part of the way that Orange County, I guess, you know, they've, they've dispersed some of that to the agencies. I know there's a number of other agencies that are running on specific programs. They're giving out free PPE and uh, hand sanitizer to certain businesses when it's available, mm-hmm. but also they've started this grant. So can you tell us a little bit more about the grant opportunity through, or- so this would be for Orange County businesses. This is for Orange County businesses. Correct. Um, the last that I heard and read about it is that you need to have 25 employees or less. It is t- $10,000. It is a grant. You do need to apply for it directly through the Orange County. And they are not open yet, uh, but I would definitely keep checking and be on top of it. Don't know what other guidelines they're going to have. Um, I heard that they will need to be hiring people to be able to basically process those applications to the Orange County. So that will, you know, will create some jobs as well on, on that process and on that front, but we'll have to see how it all plays out. Yeah, the thing um, that I saw from, I want to say it was a Sentinel article that was talking about it. Um, you're going to have to show a at least $10,000 economic right. injury to your business over this time frame, which I think is awesome. And I think that's kind of what we were looking for with some of the larger ones. But the problem is implementing that and having people to screen that to prove it and doing all those things. I mean, that takes so much more time, effort, money, resources, et cetera. So it's a lot, it seems to be a lot easier for a smaller pool of applicants to be vetted that way, similar to Orange County versus the Florida application or the federal ones. Correct. Yes. So, you know, like I said, I haven't seen anything of the guidelines of what they need to basically apply or show of that loss that you have had on your business. So we'll see what time frame they set and what documents they will require for the businesses to submit to basically show this. Yeah. And that's been kind of the, the most mind boggling part of this whole thing is how little anybody knows about all this and not from, you know, not from anything intentionally that they're doing, but basically it's like, you know, they pass the CARES Act and then you're getting information to the SBA and then the SBA is coming up with information to disperse to the banks. And then the banks are coming up with different applications to disperse to the businesses. I mean, it's not a, uh, you know, it's not the fault of anybody. It's not anybody being stupid about it. It's just interesting that we're, you know, this is such a new and novel situation that we're all just trying to, get through it as, as best as possible, as quickly as possible, as efficiently as possible. And then, um, you know, that causes everything to change so quickly. Yeah, it, it, it really was, you know, they changed the application four times on us um, just to start off, you know, from the gate and every, every week it was something different. So when I say that this is a brand new environment on the banking industry, it was totally brand new. We were reinventing the wheel on how to do stuff. Well, and I mean, even from the very beginning of it, you know, the, the banks being the ones offering those SBA 7A or 7B loans, that had never happened before. Those were always directly through the SBA, but then the same problem, the SBA doesn't have enough people to do, you know, I, I don't know how many millions of applications there were, but it's, 
it's got to be in, you know, at least a couple million applications um, for all this because you've got, you know, up to $600 billion earmarked for these PPP loans. So I just, you know, you by by putting you all as the banks in that initial spot, it took a lot of the burden off of the SBA. But at the same time, like you said, it's a completely new avenue of lending, a completely new thing that they're, you know, offering all these banks to be able to do. And everybody who needs it needs it, you know, six weeks ago. So get on and keep processing this, go through it. And so just, it's been a, you know, my, uh, my banker friends and my accountant friends, those are the two that I've been like, you know, I, I feel for you guys, but at least you all are overly busy as opposed to, you know, so many other of our referral partners that are, you know, were forcibly closed or were so much slower. It just, you know, it's, it's a crazy situation. So, um, so talk to me a little bit about the PPP loans in general, and then let's talk about what Seacoast Bank is doing for them. Okay. Sure. Not a problem. Um, so we, uh, the process basically is an application. It's an SBA application that you need to submit to your bank with the required documents that your bank may be asking for. And those requirements will vary from bank to bank, okay? Depending on what they require, they will submit it, evaluate it. It goes through the underwriting process to make sure that we have everything. You need to show that a payroll that you have for 2019. That is, it's not an option. You have to show that you have payroll. And once that's completed and submitted, then it goes to the SBA to get what is called a PLP number. And that's your guaranteed funding number. Okay. So the process can take about a week or a week and a half to get to closing. And then the funding, once the PLP number has been achieved, then you get the funding to your bank account. Okay. Um, so it depends on the bank that you're with. That process will vary. Again, and, and the time frame also can vary. Here at Seacoast, I can let you know that usually it takes about a week and a half for us to get a PLP funding for our customers. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so, all right. So from this loan perspective, I know you're taking that 2000, the 2000, the 2019 um, payroll, you know, you figure out the monthly average based upon that. We multiply that monthly average by 2.5. That's the, Correct. for the most part, the amount with the loan. I know there's some other things you can refinance the EIDL and, and some other things that can be included, but for the most part, that's what people are looking at from there. Are there any guidelines, suggestions, tips that you have for business owners on what they can include, what they can include, how they can get that number to be as helpful as possible to them? Yeah, so they can uh, factor in the retirement or any 401k benefits that they may have. Health benefits also can be added to it. You just need to show proof that you had health benefits for your employees. Um, and the employees are counting, you know, that business owner if they're paying themselves. Um, so that was one of the questions that we will come across is that, can I add my payroll? Well, yes, if you receive a paycheck, yes, that is, that is payroll. So all those payroll expenses, bonuses that you may have paid your employees also get factored in. So we got um, quite a few customers that submitted, you know, their 401 that they were doing for their employees and health insurance benefits as well. And that increased that dollar amount for them. Yeah, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then once they're funded, I know, I, I guess we there is the opportunity for these to be forgiven. And I know we can't really go too much into that detail. The SBA released, just recently released 
the first round of guidelines for this, which I'm sure will be changed 900 times along those lines. But from those business owners that just got the loans, what is there anything that they can be doing to make it easier on them to get that forgiveness? So my recommendation to my customers are, okay, you need to keep track of your payroll expenses for the next eight weeks. Uh, Be just very thorough with that. Any expenses that you may have that are employee related. Some customers have open separate accounts just to keep the funds separate and they can keep good track of them, which is a good idea. Um, But, you you know, at this time is just keep track of all your expenses that you're having related to your employees for the next few weeks and your rents and utilities. Yeah, I know that's that's what we've been telling a lot of our clients is if if your bank is willing to open up a new account for you, go for it. I know some of them are and some of them are not just because the amount of work and trying to get all of this done as quickly as possible, you know, has limited some of those things. But yeah, so so record keeping. I mean, that's always that's always the key. (laughs) And I think that's a lot. You know, we had I know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of bad publicity for some of the larger companies that applied for the PPP loans. And everyone's like, I can't believe they did this, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm telling them, I'm like, look, a lot of those companies have a dedicated CFO. They have somebody who's got all these records kept together. You know, like I'm on the phone with the accountant being like, hey, we've got eight of these 12 things already done, but like, I need the other four. Let's do it. Whereas Uh probably large businesses, I mean, that's somebody's entire position is to keep these things together. So it was just, you know, it wasn't, I I guess there were some banks that we may or may not confirm fast track them, but at the same time you know, having those records together, I think every business owner has realized the importance of that because of how many times that's been needed now for any of these applications, for any of this funding, for any of these opportunities. Definitely. And so uh, I'm hoping that our, I'm hoping that at least our business clients and, and our listeners will continue to, to keep good records because that makes it a lot easier when anything goes nuts. Um, you know, you've got them there for whatever you need to do with them. Correct. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, um, record keeping or, you know, having a software where you have stuff organized is always going to be helpful now and in the future. You know, this, this is just a learning experience for all of us to, to make sure that we are doing stuff correctly and that we have the records that we need. So we got a, a question from one of our listeners, Mike Kelsa, who says, um, is it your recommendation to move like a certain percentage of the PPP from that holding account? Or do you want to break it down as much as you can and make it as granular as possible for specific expenses? So 75% of the PPP loan has to be used for payroll. Okay. So if as a rule of thumb, you know, if your bank will let you open a separate account, I would do that. Okay. And then close it when you're done with it. Um, But at least 75% of that has to be used for your payroll. Okay. And so then in terms of, in terms of breaking out payroll versus taxes versus, or I guess uh, payments versus taxes versus rent, the more specific you get, the more granular you have everything, the easier to be to show those records. Correct. It's going to, it's going to be your gross wages that you're going to be using for that forgiveness. Okay. All right. So Mike, if that didn't answer your question, please drop the next one. I just Yes. Where uh, our our conversation is about fifteen seconds ahead of where Facebook will give me the comments back, so we'll we'll track these back. Um, and so you all, I know, are take are still taking applications for the PPP loans. Yes, we are taking new applicants um, 
for new customers, they need to be vetted by the bank though. So we will be asking for information on your business and it goes into our executive team to be vetted and then to move forward with the application. But if there are any business owners out there that have not yet submitted or have not heard back, they could attempt to open an account with Seacoast and then potentially do the PPP loan through you all. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I got another great question here from Brian Zablekis, who's on the board for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central Florida with me, asks, and I think this is in regards to Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central Florida, are there different rules for nonprofits in how they use the PPP, or is everything standard across the board regardless? Standard across the board regardless as of this time. Okay. So for right now, a nonprofit has the same rights and responsibilities as a for-profit company when it comes to the PPP. Correct. We haven't okay. heard any different. Which, which is not to say that tonight the SBA will come up with something differently, but for now, with the information we currently have, that's, that's where we're at. I lost you there for a minute. Yeah, it, uh, it happens, but the, the Facebook feed didn't freeze. It wasn't that long, so oh, okay. I, just, I kept talking. I filled the space. It's fine. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, so that makes perfect sense, you know, treating nonprofit and profit companies similarly when it comes to this, because obviously, you know, at the end of the day, uh, a nonprofit really is running a business just with the understanding that the right. money, the extra money, the extra income, whatever is going towards, you know, helping people um, for, you know, whatever topic that they have on along those lines. Correct. So I want to, I'm going to throw you a, a softball here, but at least potentially, what else do we need to let business owners know about this process? I mean, I know it's, it's super complicated, but what other, tips, tricks, guidelines, suggestions do you have? You need to have a banker. Um, I, I tell my customers, when you have, when you go to the doctor, you, you, you talk to your doctor about everything, your aches and pains. So you need to have a banker where you can talk to or be able to reach. Okay? It doesn't matter who you're banking with, what bank is. You need to have that one individual that you can take the phone and be able to reach them and ask them questions. So my recommendation to, to small businesses, you need to have that person in your corner because this is the first time that this has ever happened, but you may have other needs in the future or we don't know what the future is going to hold for us or your business. And you need to have that person on your corner that you will be able to pick up, know them by name and be able to say, I need to talk to Jordan in reference to whatever legal issues I may have or I need to talk to Francis because I have a question about all of this that's going on. So that's my recommendation, number one, to have them. And keeping records, even if it's through a payable company or, or QuickBooks or whatever your preference may be, but having good records for your company. Once you try to submit for something or you have different requests for your businesses, you know, the bank is going to have a list. They're going to have a checklist. They're going to have the application, tax returns, and so forth. And by having all of this handy to be able to turn it in to your banker, the quicker you get it to them, the quicker we're able to move on your request. No, it makes perfect sense. And once you have that relationship with that banker that you can contact, when all this is over, you take them out to dinner or happy hour or lunch or something and thank them for doing this for you. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's, I always tell people it's easy to judge people when everything's going right it's when it's the people that stand by you when things are going wrong that those are the ones that you really need to keep close no definitely and i i can i feel very proud to work you know for this bank um 
we take it very personal to our businesses. We worked around the clock um, to get as many applications as we could on the first round and on the second round. Um, so it was not only me, it was people on the back that were working. Just, we took it to heart. It's your business, but we were right there with all our customers, you know, fighting and, and side by side with. And, you know, not to say anything ill of larger banks, it just seems that the experience that everyone I know had with the smaller, more local banks during this was uh, the exact opposite of the experience people had with some of the larger banks who will remain nameless uh, for this. <laughs> and for whatever reason, you know, I, I can't, you know, you can't really fault somebody when it comes to potentially free money or when it, or at least when it comes to millions of applications flooding in constantly that, you know, you can't really keep your head above water getting through as many of them as quickly as you can. But I just, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, we always, we grow our firm as a referral based business. We want to build those long-term connections with people. So seeing, you know, seeing those bankers that are in the chambers of commerce that are in the BNI groups that are in the, you know, local rotaries and other stuff that are really involved in the community. I mean, those, the people, you know, you all do that because you genuinely care and you have the benefit of being backed by a, uh, you know, semi-large company that also genuinely cares as opposed to Correct. just always looking at the bottom line and then therefore prioritizing the, you know, $10 million applications over <laughs> the uh, $15,000 applications or whatever, whatever the minimum was for the PPP stuff that y'all wrote. So, all right, let's do this. I don't see any other yes. questions coming across. If we do have any, now's the time to go ahead and drop them uh, to give some people time for that. I've got seacoastbank.com pulled up here. Um, what other contact information do we want to give to everybody again? Um, I'll give you my cell phone number because I do give my cell phone number to my customers and they can either call me or also send me a text message as well. And that is 407-701-9634. Okay. Um, we did get another question. This is, this is an, another good one from uh, Michael Kelso. So okay. do you foresee business owners who took out the PPP loans to have some potential issues going forward on other loans, mortgages, or other financial services? It should not affect them at all. Okay. No. There we go. And the interesting thing, I know we've talked to a lot of uh, accountants and stuff that are the, the way that this is going to play out on taxes is going to be relatively interesting because there was some question as to whether you, it wouldn't be counted as income, but you could take the deductions or it would be counted as income and you couldn't take the deductions or, or any combination of those. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what we end up with. I think the guess would be um, you won't be able to take the deductions, but it won't be income because it'll be a loan that ended up being forgiven, but we'll have to, uh, We'll have, we'll have to see, to what, see that happens. what guidelines they come out of with. Right. I guess, I guess yeah. let's get past the forgiveness and then talk about the IRS in 2021 will be the, exactly. uh, the proper timeline here. All right. So um, with that, if you're enjoying these and other videos, please go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. We've got that listed uh, up top, really trying to get to that 100 subscribers. And then join us uh, here tomorrow, 1 o'clock, Good News Florida, 2 o'clock to talk about student loan debt, getting out of it, and then getting into investing. And then before I let you go, anything else? I mean, we're getting towards the end of this. So what's that, what's that positivity? What's that piece of last piece of advice? What's that guidance you want to give to as many business owners as possible so we can end this on a positive note here? This too shall pass. Um, we're we're going to make it through. We're going to use this as a stepping stool that we learn from it um, so that way we can all do better in 
There we go. And and that is, I don't know that anybody has brought up that point at the end of this, but that is so true. Like there is so much to be learned from this. Yeah. And a lot of it will be positive things. Some of it is how to take a lesser beating for the next, the next recession. But if you are, you know, if you are paying attention, whether your business did well or poorly during this time, as long as it survived this time frame, um, there's a lot of things to be learned. There's a lot of things that you could either do differently or know what, you know, you should continue to do the same um, so that you are in the best position possible for, you know, another recession or another, you know, something along these lines. Agreed. All right. Well, yes. thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Stay, stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay in touch. Thank you. You do as well. Thank you for the invite.